0: We're back in, in Acts and 17, the, the end of 17 was, it was a fun one because we were with Paul in Athens and Athens was like the intellectual kind of center for the world back then. Um, and he got to, he got to engage with a lot of uh, these uh, philosophical mindset type people, whether it's the, uh, the Stoics or the Epicureans, the Epicureans are all about finding pleasure in life. The Stoics are, you know, take things certainly... Take things a little more seriously uh, in that regard, and Paul got to share he really got to share the gospel with with both groups in there in Athens and not just with with the you know not just with that group or or on Mars Hill but also in the marketplace he was willing to share the gospel with whomever the Lord brought uh, in his path and so we got to see that happen, and some people believed there was some fruit from that some people believed in there, you know, at least from that trip, there, there wasn't a church that was planted, okay, uh, from Paul, which some would deem that as a, a failure. I do not. I don't, I don't deem it as a failure because I think we really need to kind of recondition how we view God's economy, so to speak, right? Sometimes we, we read through the book of Acts, and it's like, well, Paul set up a church here, and he set up a church here, and he set up a church here, and, and all that good stuff. Well, I mean, technically, within that same chapter, where's the church he planted in Berea? I mean, it doesn't tell us that there was a church that there was set up there in Berea. Now, maybe that was included in the letter to the Thessalonians, you know, First and Second Thessalonians covered Berea? Possibly. Okay? I think it's just unfair for, for us sometimes to, to go through this and think like, well, he didn't start a church there, so, you know, must, you know, must not have been a success. And I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. How many times have you shared the gospel and somebody hasn't gotten saved? Does that mean you're unsuccessful? No, no, not at all. Success is in obedience, okay? That's how you need to, we need to reframe our thinking. Success for the Christian is just obeying God. It's obeying God. The results are the results. You usually have no, you know, say in what happens, okay? Our role, Paul's role on this missionary journey is just to go preach the gospel. And, and that's what he was doing. And yeah, he was establishing churches on the way and all that good stuff. But he's just being led by the Lord. He was compelled by the Spirit to, to share on certain things. He's going to be compelled by the Spirit to share again. We'll see that. But um, I, I want us to understand, like, we need to just be submiss- submitted to the Lord, listening to Him, and doing what He says, and not focused on what happens next? Okay? Because we can get so discouraged. You're you're pumped up to go and you know, maybe you're you're looking forward to Monday, because Monday I'm gonna share with my coworker. I'm finally gonna get up the nerve and I'm gonna share the gospel with my coworker. And you do that and they're like, eh, not interested. And then your day is like all downhill from there, right? And you're like, oh why you know, why Lord, why you know, why weren't you with me? Why didn't it's like, no, no, no. He was he was with you. You you did what you're supposed to do. You planted a seed, it may not have sprouted right away. It may take some time, okay? So we can't be so focused on the results, all right? Um, We we should be the, you know, whether we're planting the seeds or being used by the Lord to water the seeds, whatever it is, He does all the work, okay? He does all the work. The growth happens because of God. So I I just want us, as we're going through this, uh, you know, we'll be with Paul finishing up this second missionary journey, um, just shifting our focus because, and I don't know if this is the Western way or what, but we just think like, well, the church isn't big, so it's not, you know, it's not healthy. I'm like, well, that's a lie. Big churches are not healthy churches, okay? Now, some big churches are healthy churches. Some small churches are healthy churches. Some small churches are unhealthy churches. We've got to get away from this whole thing of like judging stuff by the outcome or the end result and all that. It's like, no, just let the Lord, let him do what he wants to do we're just going to be like, Paul, go wherever he tells you to go, say whatever he tells you to say to whoever it is that he wants you to talk to, and don't worry about what happens. Just be obedient. Just keep going. Just keep going. There's still work to be done, which is where we find Paul. He, he's going to move on from Athens, and it says here, verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, we know Corinth, right? If you know anything about the Bible, I mean, it, the you know, there are two letters that have been designated to the church of Corinth. There might have even actually been a third one. We don't know, okay? But we know for sure there are two letters that Paul sent to this church in Corinth, okay? Corinth is a major city in this region, major, major city, okay? You, uh, whether you're traveling from the north to the south, it, within the Roman empire, from the south to the north, you have to go through Corinth. I mean, it, it is the hub, okay? Okay? Um, Lots of, you know, lots of goods being transported to it and through it and all that good stuff. Corinth was a major, major city within uh, the the Roman Empire there. Total opposite of Athens. Athens is like intellectual, philosophical, and all that good stuff, right? Corinth is like party town USA, okay? It's like i mean you know it's galveston texas okay it's like if there's a reason to celebrate if there's a reason to throw a party we're gonna do it put it on the calendar it's happening okay that's corinth and this is where paul is led to by the lord it says there he became acquainted with a jew named aquila born in pontus who had recently arrived from italy with his wife priscilla they had left Italy when uh, Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome, okay? So uh, we know that this is historically documented. I, I had my dates mixed up within my brain. I think it's around 59 AD, but uh, of Claudius, there was a, there was an, a riot kind of that had taken place over somebody named, uh, the, the name there within the Greek is Christos. Okay, so there was trouble happening within, within the city there concerning somebody named Christos, which is like the Greek way of saying Christ, okay? So we don't know really too many details about that. Like, was that something to deal with the church or not? We, we don't know. But Claudius Caesar wasn't going to have it, so he kicked them all out. He deported them all. He wasn't going to have them there. And so the ones who got deported uh, were these two... Uh, two believers aquila and priscilla it's aquila and his wife priscilla uh and two different thoughts on this i i tend to agree with most guys that believe that they are believers and then they show up to corinth as believers some guys think that possibly they come to corinth as as jews and then they get saved under paul's teaching i don't really find too much to support that however you know could be wrong it's not really a big deal but I believe that they're already believers, and they show up there in Corinth, and Paul connects with these two people, uh, this, this lovely couple that will become very near and dear to his life from here on out. Uh, instrumental to the church as a whole. I mean, Priscilla and Aquila, like absolutely instrumental to the church. Uh, not only there in Corinth, but we'll, but we'll see also within, uh, within Ephesus. They're major players within the church there. So there Paul, there's Paul. He, he gets connected with these guys. We see in verse 3 that here's the why or how they get connected. Paul lived and worked with them for they were tent makers or leather workers uh, just as he was. So Paul had a job. He had a skill. Okay? Um, it, was, uh, it was kind of customary for all Jewish fathers to teach their sons a skill. Even if, their, if they knew their sons were going to grow up and go into the ministry, while they were living within their home, it was their responsibility to teach their son a trade. And so Paul's trade that he was taught was tent making, or it could be translated uh, leather working. He, so he worked with leather. More than likely, he did make tents. His dad taught him how to do this. What a great lesson. What a great thing for, guys, for, for dads. Teach your sons, teach your kids a trade. Teach them how to work with their hands. Teach them how to do something, right? Like, just teach them how to do something. It's valuable, it's needed. My goodness, it's needed within our world, right, today. And We love people who are in the trades and all that stuff and who do stuff, but it's also valuable for, for individuals just to learn how to do things. You should learn how to, you should know, we should know how to change a tire, right? But we have AAA yeah but just just know how to do it right um that's part of my my goals especially as my kids are getting older and it's happening way quicker than what i want it to i'm noticing i'm watching the clock really kind of come to a close where it's like my oldest is 16 he's going to be 17 soon And it's like oh man i got this list of stuff i just need to i gotta start showing them i gotta start showing them how to do things right um that's what jewish fathers would do and so that was that's what was done for paul and it helps out because when he shows up to corinth he's willing to get a job he's willing to get a job and and to work so that he's not a burden to anybody now it's the same paul who would who would also write you know it was his his thinking his philosophy so to speak that uh individuals pastors preachers proclaimers of the word um, you know, those on, you know, giving the gospel and all that stuff, well, they should be supported. They should be, out, they should be supported. There's, there's justification for pastors getting paid. That's, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. Now, how much and all that stuff? None of my business. None of my business. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. I know, but it's none of my business. I don't care what so-and-so makes or anything like that. None, not my business. It's not your business either. Okay. That's the Lord's business. That's his business. But I love Paul's heart. He's willing to show up, and he's like, look, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I don't want, and his, his thought here, too, with the people of Corinth was like, I don't want you guys thinking that, you know, I'm just going to take advantage of you, or I'm here for the money, because he, he's not. He gets a job, In him working, he gets connected to Priscilla and Aquila, and then they have a place within their home, so he gets to stay with them while he's in Corinth. It's a beautiful scenario and this is a just again don't don't miss this concerning this this married couple. They were they were hospitable. They recognized that man this this man Paul he's he's on a mission. We need to we need to support him. We need to bring him into our we'll give you a place to stay while you're here within our city giving out the gospel. We want to be we want to be shoulder to shoulder with you, right? And they open up their home, and and it's a beautiful thing that they did. And they won't just do it for Paul, but they'll do it for this other guy. We won't cover this today, but there's another man named Apollos. And they they invest in him, and they they bring him in, so to speak, and they train him up, and he's a tremendous man that's used by God. But the key there is this married couple that is willing to invest in who the Lord is using at that moment in time. That's, that's how we, we, we need to be thinking that way as well, because we're not all going to be Apostle Pauls. We're not all going to be out on the mission field, but we all can be like a Priscilla and Aquila. There's no excuse there, right? And they, Unless you are like the Apostle Paul, and you are out, and you're out like, you know, you're you know, diving into full-time ministry or maybe going off to the mission field and all that stuff. Well, then yeah, but I would hope and pray that we as a congregation... We'd be able to be like a Priscilla and Aquila and say like, look, we'll give you a place to stay, stay, so to speak. We'll make sure you don't have anything to worry about so that you can focus in on doing what the Lord has called you to do, right? We can all be like these guys. It's a beautiful thing. I love their heart. I love their, their kind of, you know, their, it, it just is, for me, it's just kind of like beaming off the pages, their, their attitude when it comes to ministry. It's a beautiful thing. And I know Paul appreciated them. I mean, he was super grateful for these guys uh, because their names will come up in in other spots as well. Verse four, here's here's the the, the standard practice from Paul. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. So he quit working on the tents. See, you got to note that too. He worked, he was a tent maker while he needed to be a tent maker. But as soon as Silas and Timothy showed up, he's like, okay, now it's time for me to jump all in. I got to commit all into this thing. So I'm not going to be making tents anymore. Maybe they brought a gift with them. You know, maybe some of the churches along the way sent some support and all that stuff. But Paul was able to be like, I'm, we're focusing in, all in on Corinth. We're going all in for these guys, Okay. So they show up, he's got his team and they're ready to just engage the city full time. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed him and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own heads. I love this. Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I love that. Because in one sense, you have the right to do that. You're like, no, I I think I just need to keep standing here and keep doing this and just keep taking it. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't. Here's Paul in the synagogue in Corinth, and they're just mocking him. He's facing ridicule. He shows up, he delivers the gospel. He shows to them from their scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ. And all they do is make fun of him. All they do is harass him. And Paul's like, I don't have to take this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shake the dust off my feet, so to speak. You're you are accountable for your own actions. I've given you the gospel. You don't want to hear any more from me? Then it's on you. And what you do with it, it's on you. That's your price to pay. Paul's like, I'm done. I'm gonna move on to the Gentiles. Clearly, you guys don't want to hear it anymore. And he was right in doing so. You and I. Need to understand, there are sometimes circumstances, sometimes there may be individuals where you may be like, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to share the gospel with them and all they do is just keep mocking me and making fun of me. Shake the dust off your clothes and move on. But if I don't, what? You can't save them. You can't save them. So did you, did you give them the gospel? Yeah, okay. Every time you talk about Jesus, they just keep mocking you. Yeah, move on, move on. You're relying too much on yourself to save that person from hell. You can't do that. And your heart and your mind can't bear that weight. You can't bear that weight. So you don't have to feel bad about like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to create some distance between you and me. I'm just going to move on. I'll go to somebody else who wants to listen to what I have to say. The results may surprise you, because what may be needed most for them and for you is for you to move on. Sometimes we think, well, no, I just keep showing up, and I just keep talking, I just keep showing up, and I keep talking, that this, eventually this will win them over. It's not going to do it. We know from this story that the best thing Paul did for the synagogue and those within the synagogue is that he stopped showing up so contrary to the way we think, completely contrary to the way that we think. No, I got to keep showing up. No, there's times where you need to stop showing up. There's times where you need to stop. Paul shook the dust off his clothes. He's like, I'm going to the Gentiles now. And it did have an effect on them. Verse seven, then he left and went to the home of uh, Titus or Justice, who is a, he's a Gentile, he's a Roman Gentile, a Gentile who worshiped God or feared God and lived next door to the synagogue. So Paul literally walks out the church door and goes next door to this Gentile's house. And he's like, I'm living, I'm going to stay with you. So he moves out of Priscilla and Aquila's house, probably to, to take some of the pressure off of them because he's just caused a little bit of issues by shaking the dust off his clothes concerning the Jews. Now, there happened to be a Gentile who feared God who was like, Paul, come stay with me. He lived right next door to the synagogue. So, Paul exits the church or the synagogue, so to speak, and just sets up camp in Justice's house. And here's the result from that action. Crispus, which I think is a, a, a funny name, um, that's, you don't see her that one anymore, um, Anybody's looking for a good name for you know, maybe a child in the future? Crispus, why not? Um, it's unique. Um, I don't know what it means. I used to know what it means, but now that, that's long gone out of my brain. But there's Crispus. He was the, the leader of the synagogue. So Paul exits, and then it says this um, as I find my spot here Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. He's the leader of the synagogue. He's the overseer of the synagogue. He's the one in charge when the apostle Paul is showing up and talking about Jesus all the time. And then he's also the one who's certainly not, you know, helping Paul out by squashing all the mocking and all that stuff. He may have been a participator. Paul leaves and this dude gets saved. And not just him, but his whole house. Sometimes you need to stop. Sometimes you need to leave. Sometimes you need to move on. So that Crispus can get saved in him and his whole household. Because that may have been what it took for to wake him up. And he's like, Whoa, well, wait a minute. You're not gonna come back anymore? He's like, No, I'm done with you. I'm gonna go to the Gentiles. That triggered something within his heart, and he met Jesus. And not only him, but his family got saved. It says, everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. Sometimes you just got to move on. You just got to move on because maybe, maybe you're standing in the way. Maybe you're all of this is just standing in the way. Move on. Know when to go, right? No when to hold them, no when to fold them. Right? Kenny Rogers used to sing, "Hey, it's just no when to move on." And say, so, "You know what? I don't think what I'm saying is getting through anymore. I'm going to move on." And then salvation breaks out all throughout the city, right? So, I mean, this incredible thing happens, and people are getting saved, and the ministry is just—it's exploding. It's exploding. One night, so as, as the, you know, people are getting saved and all this good stuff, verse nine, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Why, why, would, God, why would God say that? You, you, we need to understand something. God doesn't waste words, okay? He doesn't waste words. And what I mean by that is this. He's not gonna say something that does not apply to somebody. So what we can take from this just logically If God is saying, don't be afraid, more than likely, Paul is afraid. He's got this emotion happening with inside of his heart and his mind. And that emotion is called fear. It's called fear. See, even the spiritual giants that we sometimes like to put on pedestals experience things that make us feel ashamed. Certain emotions that make us feel ashamed. You get afraid sometimes especially concerning like you're following the lord wave of fear is coming over you you might feel ashamed because that is happening and i should be a stronger christian i should have stronger faith in jesus fear should not be a part of my life and i would say are you or are you not a human being you are god has put emotions within us we are a sea of emotions a christian who is emotionless is not a real person. They are a robot, okay? We have emotions. We experience emotions and praise God for that. Praise God for that. Now, we don't want to be controlled by fear. Fear is a healthy thing in the right context, okay? A wild animal comes across in your front yard and you're out there. That fear that gets triggered inside of you, well, that's meant to protect and save your life, okay? To where you're like, I, I don't think I wanna mess with this thing. You're right, you're right, that's a good thing. So sometimes it's been put within us. Now, our emotions can run away from us and control us and we, we wanna avoid that. You don't wanna be governed by fear. In fact, the Bible is full of the commandment, the, the most common commandment is to fear not or to not don't be afraid. Don't be consumed by fear. Don't be driven by fear. Don't let it control you is what that's saying. It is not saying don't ever have fear within yourself. Don't ever experience fear. That's not what it's saying. It's saying do not let fear control you. Paul is afraid and God lovingly shows up to him in a vision and says, listen, Paul, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid speak out don't be silent i love this because when i envision the apostle paul i think of him as the most like outgoing person ever like he i what i assume as i read through the especially the book of acts and then all the the, the letters that the holy spirit pinned through him I just assume he shows up and he just proclaims the word to anybody and to everybody, and he has no fear at all. Like, he just goes for it all the time, and I'm sure he had moments of that. But what is nice about the Bible is it exposes the heroes for who they really are. Some people have a problem with that. Some people have a problem with the Bible exposing the faults of our heroes. How can I trust you know in this book and it shows that abraham was a sinner i'm like i can identify with that i'm grateful it does i'm so grateful it does because it puts us on a common ground because we can read through the bible and sometimes we put these guys on pedestals and we're like i'll never i'll never achieve that i can never be like that person the bible is so honest It's brutally honest with its heroes, and I love that. And here, it's telling us that God showed up to Paul in the middle of the night in a vision and tells him three specific things. Do not be afraid. Speak out. Keep sharing the gospel. Don't be silent. There must have been something going on inside the Apostle Paul. Maybe he was having a moment where he just got to him, And he's like, man, it's been really rough. Every town where I started speaking in, they've all risen up and I've been beaten, I don't know how many times now. I've been driven out of all these other places. I don't know if I can endure this one more time. I don't know if I can take that on one more time. And God shows up and says, listen, you keep going. You just keep going. The same word he's, he has spoken to the apostle Paul when he needed it the most in the darkest part of the night I'm telling you right now, he is speaking to you and I today. Hold fast to this word. Go ahead and circle it. Go ahead and underline it. Go ahead and be like me and put a star next to this thing and and revisit this thing as often as you need to because what you and I need to, what we need to know is that God still shows up and he's still with us and he's still saying, listen, you keep going. Keep sharing. Keep talking about me right? No wind to shake the dust off your clothes, but that doesn't mean you stop talking. You just find somebody else to talk to, but you have a message. It's the gospel. So go and share it with whomever it is that the Lord brings in your path. Don't stop. Don't let fear derail you. You keep going. I love that the apostle Paul needed that because there's many moments within my life where I need, I need that word. I need that word. Because if we're honest, it's not not the easiest thing to follow Jesus. Now, it's completely easy on the part of becoming a follower of Jesus. It couldn't be easier. He's done all the work. You're just a glad surrender to him and to this free gift of salvation. He died on the cross and rose from the grave. And all you got to do is just say yes. All you got to do is just surrender. That's pretty simple in one sense. But it's the battle you engage in from that moment on. It's difficult at times. And if we're honest, we all know that. It's difficult. And there are moments within, I think, each and every one of our lives where it's like, man, Lord, I don't know if I can just, I don't know how much longer I can do this. It's getting hard. And our world certainly isn't helping out anything. It's getting hard. Lord, it's hard. It's getting difficult. But he would tell you and he would tell myself, keep going. Just keep going. Don't become silent. Speak up. But why? Why? Verse 10, for I'm with you. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. I mean, he, he blesses Paul with the remainder of this verse, but all you need to know is he is with you. He's with you. Paul needed to be reminded of that there in Corinth. Many days, I need to be reminded of that. I need that that beautiful little reminder from God. I'm with you. I'm with you. But it doesn't feel like you're with me. It feels like you're so far away. And God would say, no, I'm with you. Don't let your feelings fool you. Don't be driven by your feelings, so to speak. Because, I mean, sometimes I feel, feel great. I've never felt closer to the Lord. And he might be like, um, really? You feel close to me? Like, we haven't talked in days. Where you been? Oh, wait, no, I thought I was doing good. Yeah, no, no, no. And then there's times where it's like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm just a wretch. I feel like I'm worthless. Like, and all this stuff. And he's like, no, you're right where I want you to be. And I'm right there with you. God is so good he's he's so good and here he is encouraging Paul comforting Paul hopefully comforting you today I am with you here's the other blessing about this he says no one will attack or harm you so that must have been heavy on Paul's heart and his mind he had to been this had to have been weighing heavy within him because this is what he's experienced everywhere he's gone he's like oh here we go again here we go again The salvation is breaking out. And all I know for me is that when that happens, I get in trouble and I get beat up and they try to kill me. So here we go again. I'm just, Lord, I don't know if I can brace for impact one more time. And God's like, no, 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 listen, you're going to be okay. Keep preaching, keep proclaiming, keep sharing. No one will attack you or harm you. He says, for many people in this city belong to me, or I have many people in this city. Here's two thoughts on this. Either God is saying, be, this is a result of maybe this little revival that's breaking out, that a lot of people are getting saved, and so Paul can find comfort within that. God's like, look, I have plenty of people that are on your side. They're not going to hurt you. Or, and this is what I tend to believe, God is saying, no, Paul, listen, there are many people in this city that I have, they're gonna get saved because you keep proclaiming, you keep speaking. I'm gonna win a lot of people in this city, Paul. I need you to keep talking. I need you to keep sharing. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them because there's many souls in the city that are yet, have yet to be won to the Lord. You can look at both views, you can hold fast to both views at the same time, right? This isn't like an either or, or right? This is encouraging, I think, for you, I definitely for myself, because when you go to plant a church in a city, what you want to hear from the Lord is for him to say, keep talking, keep doing what I called you to do, don't give up, don't be afraid. There are many people in the city of Galveston that I have. What does that mean? Maybe yet to get saved. Maybe yet to get saved. So that's why we keep doing what we do. That's why you don't, you don't close down the church. You don't do that. You do live streaming, that's beautiful. I see all you people on the camera. Actually, I don't see any of you, but you see me, and we see you guys, whether you're in Italy, or Boise, or California. People are watching from all over, Oregon. Um, we keep doing what we do. We keep sharing the gospel because we don't know what the Lord's gonna do within the souls of men and women and children who hear it. He's got plenty of people that are saved or that yet will be saved. We keep showing up and we're going to do what God has called us to do. And he will be with us every step of the way. So you can serve the Lord. I can serve the Lord with no fear, with no fear. I just love that. Paul needed that. I need that. You need that. You need to know the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So he gets that little shot of adrenaline there. It's just, it's a, it's a nice thing. You guys remember when you're a kid and you're like just terrified of everything, right? Maybe that's not true of all of you, but there's some things I was never terrified of, but there were some things that was like always had me on edge. Maybe walking home in the middle of the night, you know, you know, they kind of watching whatever movie you probably shouldn't have been watching and then now you got to walk through the dark to get home and it's just like everything is like I'm seeing bad stuff everywhere like these murderous whatever I mean they're, they're just out to get me and I'm sure there's something in that creepy looking tree right we know what that that feels like um, there's a story of this little boy who's helping his mom cook and uh, and she had asked him to go into the pantry and get a can of tomato soup right And the problem with the pantry is there's no light in the pantry. And the boy is, he's a young, he's a little guy, five, six years old, terrified of the dark. Terrified specifically of the pantry because it's a dark place. And you know your imagination as a young child, like I mean, anything is living in that thing. I mean, you name it. There's like, it's full of ghosts. It's full of whatever, right? Scary things. And that was like, That was like the death sentence that was placed on him like mom sends him to go get the can of tomato sauce and he's like no so he begs and pleads with her like i can't i can't do it and she convinces him. she says listen uh don't worry jesus is with you jesus is with you he'll be in that pantry with you so this kid my kind of kid shows up to that pantry opens the door and says hey jesus will you give me that can of tomato soup I'm like, thank you, yes, because that's how I feel sometimes. Like, uh, how far do I have to go to this thing? Like, Jesus, you're, you're in there. Can you just get it for me? That's kind of how we are with life. That's kind of how we are with, with ministry and serving the Lord. It's like, but Lord, it's scary. What we need to be reminded of is what it already says in the word. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. He gets this nice little pep talk no one will hurt you no one will harm you I have many many people in the city belong to me so paul stayed there for the next year and a half and next year and a half he he dwelled in corinth he lived there and what did he do new living translation tells us your, your whatever translation you're in says the same thing he taught the word of god He taught the word of God. What should you do? Teach the word. That's it. It's as simple as that. Just teach the word. Well, how do I teach the word in in like just everyday conversations? You can do it. There's ways. Now, you don't have to sit somebody down and say like, okay, so now... We're going to open up our Bibles and we're gonna have this little Bible study about no, no, you can bring the Word into your conversations with individuals. There's ways to do it. There's ways to do it without feeling like you're taking this, this Bible and beating them over the head with it. You don't need to do that. Please don't do that. Spend so much time engaging in the Word, not out of obligation, but just out of delight, right? And and get so much of this word stored up and hidden within your heart, what you will find is it will come out in your conversation. You you memorize scripture because that's you storing it, that's you hiding it away within your heart, and you will be surprised that you can be having a conversation with someone and they bring up something and you have a verse that's been stored up in your heart that speaks about that very thing, and you can be like, oh, you know what? I remember that there's this Bible verse that says this concerning that, teach the word, teach the word. You don't have to do like some sort of like inductive study on that verse with that person, you just say like, hey, the Bible says this, and you know, I, and, I, and this is, I, you know when I read through it, and this is kind of what I saw, and what do you think about that? And they're like, uh, I don't know, right? but it just opens up avenues between you and them. But we as believers, as Christians, we should have the word stored up within our hearts. It's not enough for you to show up on Sundays, and this is all the Bible time you get. It's not gonna cut it. It won't cut it, okay? It's not gonna make that big of a difference within your life. It's not. I'm, I'm sorry, I know that's a bad sell for church, but it's not gonna make that huge of a difference within your life. What's going to make the most impact within your life is when you leave Sundays and come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're opening up this thing and you are finding just joy and delight in hearing from the Lord because this is His Word. And you may not see it immediately, but I can promise you this because I've experienced this on my own. The more time I go through the Word every year, every year, just going through the word. And, and mine's, I, I listen to it. I, I just listen to it. For whatever reason, that helps me out. I just, I hear the word and I listen through the Bible every year. And it's changed the way that I talk. So much so that the person I've spent really almost the most time in my life with, adult life with, is my wife. And where she's noticed, she's like, you know what? you and not that I ever talk bad please don't I mean yeah am I yes I'm a bad husband at times yes okay all right I can be a jerk well more times than not okay I'm sure of it but even for myself and Nelly can say like man I've noticed I'm just noticing that there's just in the way that you say things the way that you talk like she hears it coming out and I don't sit my wife down and say, okay, we're going to have a little Bible study and here we go. It doesn't work like that in my house, okay? But when, uh, in just our conversations with each other, what she hears coming out more and more, the more that I put it in me, she hears it coming out. Your co-workers will hear the same thing. Your family members will hear the same thing. And some of them may even start asking like, what, what's happening within your life? There's a difference. There's a difference. Just keep feeding on it, feeding on it. Get so much of it stored up with inside of you and then let it just come out through your conversations. Paul stayed there. He committed to staying there for a, for a year and a half and he, just, he simply taught the word of God. He taught him the word of God. Verse 12, here's the, here's the issues that pop up. Uh, Galileo, when Galileo became uh, governor, uh, K-I. Some of the Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. We know historically that this guy did become, he was the ruler of this region at this point in time when Paul was there. It says they accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. So this is a, a non-Jewish leader and the Jews have arrested Paul, so to speak, and they're bringing him uh, in front of this non-Jewish leader, and they're accusing Paul of going against their traditions. Okay, that kind of helps to clarify this guy's reaction. All right, so he's hearing this, but verse 14, just as Paul started to make his defense, as he opened his mouth, he didn't even have to say anything, uh, this individual, Gallio, turned to Paul's accusers and said, listen, you Jews, if this were a case <clears throat> involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it's merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourself. It's like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this nonsense. You guys, because what he's assuming is, because a lot of people at this point in time just just labeled Christianity as, as just a, a sect of Judaism. Like He's like, you guys are just churches that are fighting with each other. He's like, I don't have time for this. Now, if he committed a crime, then yeah, I'd hear it out. He's like, but you're wasting my time. You're wasting my time. So their, their case falls flat. He goes on to say, uh, take care of it yourself. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. <laughs> so the crowd then grabbed Sophanes, the leader of the synagogue and beat him right there in the courtroom. Bagalio paid no attention. <laughs> this is I, I laugh, it's somewhat comical. I feel sorry for the these guys. He ends up getting saved. This is what's crazy about this thing. If it's the same guy, you can read First Corinthians chapter one and he's mentioned there. Okay? But here they, they get they have to have a new leader of the synagogue because the last one became a Christian right? So they raise up a new leader of the synagogue. They bring this guy in. He's going to plead the case on behalf of all these other guys in front of this Gallio guy. And that guy's just like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I ain't got time for this nonsense. Get out. And so they, the group, whether it's um, some of the Jews or, or actually it's probably Greeks, they get mad at Sosthenes because he did such a horrible job of like being a lawyer that they just beat him right there in front of Gallio was like, he's just, he's not even paying attention to him. Like he's just, it's happening there. And he's just like, eh, you know, pays him no attention. But they beat this guy up because, well, he couldn't persuade the leader. Which meant that now they have no legal basis against the church. So what they're trying to do is derail the move, they, the move of God. They're trying to, what they're trying to, they're trying to shut the church down. And praise God that this leader, who's, who's a Gentile, who, well, fortunately he has nothing to do with the Lord. That's, that's, that's sad on, on that element. But he has enough common sense to be like, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm not going to get involved in this. And so they get mad, beat up the soft guy, uh, and, and there, there is a thought that this guy ends up, maybe because he feels betrayed by all these other guys, he ends up getting saved. He ends up getting saved. Uh, but there's, there's no legal recourse or, or any action against the church. So the church is free to meet. The church is free to continue to grow and expand. And here's Paul's, he, the, his conclusion, basically his conclusion of the second missionary journey. And this is, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with this last little section here. It says, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that. Then he said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went by, uh, centuria went by to near centuria there there he shaved his head according to the jewish custom marking the end of a vow then he set sail for syria taking priscilla and aquila with him so says they will we'll address the the vow like the vow that's a mystery like we're like what what vow like when did you when did you take this vow what vow are you talking about why did you take a vow do you have to take a vow doesn't have to take a vow shaved his head was this a Nazarite vow like What's going on here paul we'll talk more about that next week we'll we'll dive into that so i don't want you to think i'm just blowing past this point i don't think it's that big of a deal honestly if you're just reading through the word you're, you're taking you're keeping track of all this stuff um are christians revi- required to follow jewish laws and rituals and all that stuff no you're not okay i, I can say that right now you're, you're not required to um it, can you if you want to sure I mean, I guess, like, go for it. You want to celebrate Passover? Well, knock yourself out. It's not a requirement in that sense, though, okay? You can enjoy that. Uh, this week, is this weekend Rosh Hashanah? Yeah, it is, right? Yeah, this is like the, yeah, we're, we're all listening for the trumpet blast, right? right? That's the Rosh Hashanah thing. You're like, is that it, Lord? Are you coming back? Is this like, is this it, the Rosh Hashanah thing? Um, you can celebrate that. You can enjoy that. Do history on that, all that stuff. Enjoy that. That's fine, but we are not required to or obligated to adhere to any of these things. Sabbath. Well, should you should you enjoy rest within your life? Yeah, if you're smart, yeah. Because God has designed your body where you need rest, right? You need rest. It was a it's a brilliant idea, the whole Sabbath rest thing. Shut down at sundown on Friday and reopen back up uh you know saturday late saturday evening that's cool do that if you want to take a day off please take a day off get rest but if you're not i mean is, is there an issue there i mean are you breaking what we need to understand well number one that jesus is our sabbath he is our rest okay um but we're not bound to these rights in rituals and all that stuff so what paul did here he took a vow he's honoring like he made a commitment and he's just he's honoring that if i think you take away anything it's just that paul is a man of his word he made a vow and followed through with it ends up shaving his head like i said we can talk more of the, those details of what that looked like and all that but if you're, if you're going to have a takeaway from just this mention of it well he he made a vow and he kept it that's admirable That's cool. You kind of like it when leaders say, hey, I'm going to do this, and then they follow through with it, right? That that makes a good leader, okay? So as he's transitioning away from Corinth, he's doing that. He's taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. Verse 19, it says, they stopped first at the port of Ephesus. Ephesus is big. Um, Where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. The next stop was the port of Caesarea. And from there, he went up to visit the church at Jerusalem, probably checking in at headquarters, so to speak. And then he went back to Antioch. Antioch was the church that sent him out. So he's going to go back. So he talked... He met with the guys, the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, but he's gonna get back to a sending church there in Antioch and he's gonna report back because this is the end of the missionary journey. There's a third one to come, but he's gonna share with these guys, here's what the Lord did. He did that in Jerusalem and he's doing that in Antioch. So he went back to Antioch and after spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia, Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. That's a beautiful thing. So he concludes his second missionary journey by, okay, I'm going to report back to Jerusalem. I'm going to report back to Antioch. Let those guys know, here's what the Lord's doing. Church is exploding. It's blowing up all over the place. And in fact, since these guys guys are pretty close, I'm going to go back into Galatia and some of these other areas and check on the churches to see how they're doing. So that's how he wraps up this whole second missionary journey. But there's that mention of Ephesus, which is the most fascinating thing. Because that was the city, Paul loved Ephesus. Like he wanted to be in Ephesus, he wanted, he was longing to get to Ephesus and all this good stuff. He wrote them a, a very, a very sweet, a very incredible letter uh, that one day we will, we will address that one. But I, I love that there's a city that he longed to go to, that he desperately wanted to be at. He spent a year and a half plus at Corinth. I'm sure he would have loved to spend that much time in Ephesus, but the Lord was moving him on. The Lord was moving him on. And so he wanted to stay longer, I'm sure of it. And he, he let them know, he's like, look, um, I'll come back, God willing. Lord willing, I'll be back. And he did go back, but I, I think it's, it's amazing. Just, just his, his maturity and his walk with the Lord to know like, man, this is where I really wanna be, but the Lord is calling me on. And so now it's time for me to move on and it's time for me to go we, I think we've all experienced that to a certain degree. You know, we've all found ourselves in places where it's like, I love being here. This is my home. I love being here, but the Lord's moving me on. The Lord's moving me on. I, I'm not standing here if the Lord didn't do that in my life. I loved where I was at in Amarillo. I loved it. That was my family. That's, that's all I ever knew church-wise. That's literally all I really ever knew as a church. But the Lord was, the Lord was saying, no, no, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to move on. I think some of you guys have ended up here because the Lord has said the same thing to you. And will you ever go back? Well, Lord willing, you might. But that's up to him. That's up to him. But there's Paul concluding the second missionary journey, and he just has this pastor's heart where he's like, I'm, I'm not just planning churches, but I'm establishing these churches, and when I get the opportunity, I'm going back to check in on these guys. How are you doing? When, you, when you're raising up disciples, when you're investing in people's lives, okay? Time and all the life may move you away from them, but what you need to do, what you and I need to really get better at doing, me, me specifically, is going back to those people and saying, hey, how are you doing? It's been a while since I've seen you. How are you doing? how's your walk with the Lord? Are you growing with the Lord? What's he been doing in your life? Encourage me as I encourage you in our, walk, in our, in our walks concerning the Lord. Let's be like Paul. Don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Keep sharing. Keep going. And, and, and then also, don't forget about those who you invested in down along the way. Check in on them. Check in on them. How are you doing? how's it going what the, what's the lord been doing in your life recently good questions to ask each other we'll we'll finish up the rest of this chapter next week um, with apollos and all that good stuff there's just too much within that one but um, i'm gonna pray and we'll, we'll close out and read ahead read ahead read ahead read ahead uh, show up on wednesday night for the mysterious service no i'm just kidding it's a good bible study and it'll be in the bible and all that good stuff um But but I feel as though if I say mysterious, it's a little more intriguing, and that might get more people to show up to where like I got to show up and see what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to open this book, and we're going to teach out of this book. That's what's going to happen, and then you'll talk with each other about what we talked about. Okay? Um, Pray for those who are on this uh, this Texas coastline. Um, You know, there there is a storm that's out there, and it's coming in, and Uh, we just need to be cautious, we need to be alert, Um, we need to be watching each other's backs in that sense. So, uh, but let's pray now, Um, and let's, let's finish this service out with some, with a song of praise, and let's encourage each other as we're seeing that day draw closer, right? So, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to be afraid. Lord, I know I, for myself, Lord, for sure, there are many moments where I am afraid, uh, Lord, and I find that most often uh, within my life, I'm afraid of things I should never be afraid of. And that is an emotion that, that man, really can sink its, its hooks in pretty deep and can control us and drive us. And if anything, Lord, it, it paralyzes us. And so I'm grateful for your word and the honesty of your word that it's maybe the Apostle Paul was finding himself in that maybe he was finding himself being paralyzed by fear, but how you show up in the middle of the night, Lord, to speak a word of encouragement to him. Mm -hmm. I pray for anybody either watching online or listening on the radio when this airs or, or just in the room itself, maybe you feel paralyzed right now by fear. I pray that you are hearing the Lord say to you, do not be afraid, keep going. Keep speaking, keep sharing the gospel because the Lord is with you. Lord, I pray that you would burn that on our hearts, on the forefront of our minds, Lord, that we would just, man, each and every day that we would carry that with us, that you are with us. You are with us and we don't have to be afraid. Even with the world going nuts all around us, Lord, and everything just seems to be upside down and wrong seems to be right and right seems to be wrong, Lord, we as your, as your church, we do not have to be afraid. Help us to keep going. Help us to keep speaking. Help us to keep proclaiming, Lord, you and your gospel. The fact that you came to this earth, you died on the cross, you rose from the grave three days later, Lord, and you're here to save souls. You're here to transform lives. So I pray that we as your church would be about your business right now, Lord. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the work that you did through, in and through him. We pray that you would do the same thing in and through us as well, Lord. And we pray that like in Corinth, that here in Galveston and, and our little surrounding cities, Lord, that you have many people that are yours. So we trust you lord to do whatever it is that you want to do within our lives and with this church and we just pray all these things in jesus name amen